The following podcast contains explicit language. Back in December, I was waiting for a call. And I was a little apprehensive about how the conversation would go. Jeff, Chip Kelly calling. Chip, how are you? I'm uh, doing good. Uh, thanks for doing this. I, I, I know you probably wouldn't have done it. Unless you... It had been about six years since I last talked to Chip. The last time we spoke at the NFL owners' meetings when he was the coach of the 49ers, I had to pretty much grill him for about an hour. We evaluated the players and said we would like them, and then when contracts came out, that's when contracts came out. That's what it was set up. I've never negotiated a contract in my life. Chip and I had a very contentious relationship. Uh, so you're saying there's not going to be a can't-miss um, prospect in this year's draft? Um, let me ask you, is there, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there a can't-miss prospect? Who do you got, Jeff? <laughs> I don't know either. It's not my job to make friends with the people I cover. Sometimes I have to ask difficult questions. To some extent, it didn't go over very well with him. You can pin me down, but it's not going to happen right now. I'm trying to pin you down. Who would you take? Who would you take? Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. Five years from now. Okay. You have? Yeah. Okay. Mark it down. By the end of Chip's tenure, things had gotten so bad that he wasn't even answering some of my questions during press conferences. Why did Selleck and Cooper high-five each other in that crossing round? They like each other. Brent said they asked you that maybe there was And I say, ask Brent. But the tone of the call we had in December was decidedly different. A lot of it had to do with the subject matter. I was calling Chip about Dom DeSandro, the Eagles' chief of security. Sense of humor. Do you have like a favorite story or anecdote about him that like makes you laugh or that you think about that just kind of personifies who he is in terms of his personality? And yeah, all? there was one that he came in and, and uh, I don't know why he called me boo, but he was like, boo, I'm down today. I go, why? What are you down? You're always up. What's going on? He's like, I saw a thing on the news where they captured a bear in uh they said the bear weighed 360, and it was an average-sized bear. And I thought to myself, like, I weigh more than the bear. So <laughs> he started just like I started laughing. I said, "Boo, you're not, you're not a bear." And he's like, "I'm big, sexy, I'm good." And then he was, but that's that's Dom. Like, he's, he can just. He knows it was a side of Chip that occasionally I felt Philadelphia and the media got to see, but there was also another side of Chip where. He just didn't want to be questioned about certain things or he didn't want to kind of open himself up. It was very difficult to kind of break that seal and get to know him personally. By the end of the call, it was almost like Chip and I were shooting the shit. You walk across UCLA campus, it seems like you're living the life out there. And and you turn the program yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, we got good kids and it's a, it's a good place to be. And you get up every day and you're having fun what you're doing. And I, I, as long as I'm coaching football, I'm having fun, so... Um, even before the most recent phone call I had with Chip, I had been thinking about him. I've heard from many Eagles fans that view Chip's time in Philadelphia as a complete train wreck. But I'm not sure if that's really fair. I think there's more to it than that. I wouldn't say ahead of his time, but he was right on time. Yeah, it came yeah. to changing how you view players and how you utilize the data. I think we had a good relationship. It was, I was just trying to stay the fuck out of the way, man. <laughs> 
cut me. Like, release me. And that's the best way I said it. I think it's best if you guys trade or release me. And Chip, we're not going to release you. You're a veteran. You've played this league. If I can't play, then release me and we'll see. Over the last couple months, I've spent some time catching up with former players, coaches, and Eagle staffers who worked with Chip to get a better grip on his legacy and what the narrative surrounding his stint with the Eagles should be. I'm Jeff McLean. I've covered the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer for 15 years. And this is Uncovering the Birds, a Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcast sponsored by Wawa. Episode 3, Chip Kelly, Part 1, The Rise. The NFL owners' meetings is the annual gathering of all the power brokers around the league. And this year, it was held at the Biltmore Hotel in Phoenix. The Arizona Biltmore Hotel is this posh, nearly 100-year-old hotel that was not designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, but very much inspired by his architecture, Art Deco styling. There are still many coaches in the NFL who were around when Chip was with the Eagles and with the 49ers, and I wanted to test this theory that Chip Kelly's tenure in the NFL wasn't as much of a disaster as some fans may think it to be. So at the owners' meetings at the end of March, I caught up with D'Amico Ryans, who played linebacker for Chip and is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. He had a positive experience playing for Chip. Just bear with the audio I was talking to D'Amico at the Biltmore Hotel. I always thought highly of Chip. I always thought highly of him and his efforts to be innovative and change the game. And for me, at the tail end of my, of my career, to be on the forefront of that, he was the guy who brought that to the NFL. D'Amico was more than a linebacker for Chip. He was his defensive leader. In fact, when D'Amico ruptured his Achilles in 2014, Chip called him the Eagles' Mufasa. A few years later, Chip, during a questionnaire, was asked to name one player he could envision becoming a future head coach, and he named D'Amico. Chip was right. Chip did a questionnaire one time, and he asked to name one player. Did you? Did that get back to you? Yeah, no, I, I did hear that, you know, when Chip said that I would be, you know, a good head coach candidate, and... You know, it's just, it's humbling in a sense that your head coach can think that about you and he sees uh, something in you that I probably didn't think about or probably didn't see in myself. But when you see that or you hear that, you know, Chip is like, oh, there is hope. There is, I can possibly do that. It's just opened up the possibilities. Of course, I had to talk to Andy Reid, the former Eagles coach that Chip replaced in 2013. No, it's a it's a tough transition, you know, tough deal coming into Philly. So all the guys have said, "Hey, if you need, if I can help you in any way, let me know." Do you remember and, when that was? It's probably right around when he was getting hired. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I knew he was being hired. I, Jeffrey, yeah. Jeffrey talked to me about all the guys. Yeah, I thought for some reason I thought it was like after kind of he'd been there for a while, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's kind of interesting." Well, I talked to him. For, you know, here these yeah. places and that kind of stuff. Well, no, periodically I talked to him, you know, throughout that first year. Whoever the Eagles hired, it was going to be a big deal. Andy had been there for 14 years. He had 
by far the most success of any coach during the Super Bowl era, but a lot of fans and even some within Eagles organization had grown tired of him, and it was basically a time for a clean break. After what many will describe as four very successful seasons with the Ducks, Chip Kelly is now headed to the NFL. Chip Kelly is safely landed in Philadelphia, where he will now take over as head coach of the Eagles. KEZI 9 News Sports Director Jake Zivin is live in the studio with our top story here at 6.30, Jake. Jen and Brian, a little afternoon today, Chip Kelly left Eugene on a private airplane. Within the past two hours, he landed in his new home of Philadelphia, now as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Is this a dream job for you to come to the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, my dream is to just win and and this was the best opportunity for me to win so you know i never thought a long time ago that i was going to be ever coaching the nfl but i'm excited about the opportunity and i had a text on the plane that i was getting tracked like santa claus <laughs> which was flattering until i remembered that the philly fans booed santa claus so <laughs> i i hope they don't boo me i'm just excited to be here it's uh it's an exciting time and and uh ready to get to work so thanks coach. thanks Jim. all right guys appreciate it this was a big moment for jeffrey Lurie. He narrowed in on Chip Kelly and did almost everything he could to hire him. Okay. Um, this is a very, very exciting day for the Philadelphia Eagles. Exciting day for our city. And I think a very exciting day for the millions of Eagles fans across the country. We, we had a, an outstanding interview with him on January 5th uh, at the Four Seasons Hotel in Scottsdale. And... Um, it, it lasted, I think, about nine hours, and uh, it was just uh, incredibly impressive. Uh, we had, of course, studied Chip for a long, long time, as many, I'm sure, in this room have. Everything we had ever heard um, was, was just so true, but you never know until you really uh, meet the person and understand their personality and their obsession with football and their uh, football intellect, their overall intellect, strategy and vision going forward. I got to give uh, Howie a lot of credit because uh, uh, Howie and Chip have mutual friends and they kind of alerted us the fact that this was a great match and Chip was really torn. So with that, I'm going to allow you all to welcome Chip as the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, it, it's a really exciting time for me. It was a difficult decision, but you know, when I first met with Jeffrey and Don and Howie in, in Phoenix. Chip Kelly and Howie Roseman. We'll get into that dynamic next week. But at that time, Chip Kelly was by far the sexiest hire of the coaches that offseason. Here was a successful coach at Oregon doing innovative things with the offense in terms of sports science and up-tempo. There were a lot of questions about whether he could bring that type of success to the NFL. There were also a lot of questions about whether this was something that he was committed to doing. At his opening press conference, he said, I burned the boats, just like the Spanish explorer Cortez. I burned the boats. I'm not going back. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Uh, I'm, an NFL, I'm an NFL coach, and I made the jump, and, and I'm here, and, and I'm excited to be here. This is a team that was going through a transition period after 14 years of Andy Reid. Personally, I understood that as well. I had a new coach that I had to cover, so I wanted to establish some sort of relationship with this guy. 
I had heard that Chip did not have the greatest relationship with those who covered him. At the Senior Bowl in Mobile the following week, I was stalking Chip at the Renaissance Hotel. And when I finally approached him and introduced myself and offered my hand, he gave me kind of a dead fish handshake and the cold shoulder and was out the door. It was at that moment I got the sense that he was going to be very difficult to work with and that my job was going to be much different. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wawa. Wawa's paninis are getting even bolder, like spicy buffalo chicken paired with creamy mac and cheese, all in a handheld toasty panini. With a savory garlic pepperoni panini with provolone, pepperoni, and drizzled with a garlic aioli. Or mix it up with tuna salad and your favorite toppings. Fill up on these bold flavors that are sure to be the envy of every lunch. Try new Wawa panini for lunch today. Gotta have a Wawa. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa. So from a football standpoint, what made Chip so different? In my mind, there were three things specifically. Practice, offensive scheme, and sports science. Let's start with practice. It was something else. The first time I walked out onto the field at the Novak Air Complex, it's like sensory overload. Not only does Chip have music blaring, he had players working out on every field and doing so simultaneously. Everything was in the name of maximizing the time that you had. It looked like controlled chaos. It was chaotic, but it looked controlled. On top of that, you had all these other little innovations that he added during seven-on-seven drills, for instance. He had team personnel wearing shoulder pads with this netting above their head that was meant to simulate the pass rush, players' hands up in the air. And it looked bizarre and like maybe something that was out of a science fiction film, but there was a meaning and a reason behind him doing it because he didn't want to have to waste players in those drills. And not only did Chip have these ideas, he allowed his assistants to kind of push the envelope and what they could do. Deuce Daly, who was the running backs coach at the time, had footballs on leashes. The running backs would run and you'd have staffers kind of pulling at the leashes as a ball security drill. Clay Harbor was a player that I reached out to, a former tight end who was drafted by the Eagles in 2010. He spent a couple years with Andy Reid and then Chip Kelly came in. This is what he experienced. It was a change, man. Going from Coach Reed, it was just very, like, systematically, it was so different. You know, I kind of fell in love with that style of, uh, you know, football with Coach Reed. And I'm like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be like. And then you come in, and after, you know, experiencing that, because that's all I've ever known was Coach Reed, and then to go to Chip, it was just like, wow, this is vastly different. Everything we did was up-tempo. Chris Peduzzi was on the Eagles training staff for 19 years. His first year as head trainer was also Chip Kelly's first season. I think it fits his personality. I think it's what he believes in. It was eye-opening. That was night and day from the way of Andy's practices versus his. So practice was new and the offense was new. Chip had a meaning for everything he did. And the reason why he had all these innovations was to serve the best interests of his up-tempo offense. 
Andy Reid is as much of an offensive guy as any coach, and he was interested in what Chip was doing when he moved on to Kansas City. I talked to him about it at the owners' meetings in March. Yeah, I thought the thing he did was uh, he brought in some of the spread ideas. We had kind of messed around with it a little bit with really Donovan when he was young and then uh, Michael, you know, and spreading people out and giving them a chance, even Kevin Cobb, you know, when he was in that mix too. But I thought Chip spreading the field out the way he did and getting everybody involved I thought was something that he helped introduce to, to all of us. Chip had an impact on Doug Peterson, who followed him in Philadelphia as well. Doug, when he got to Philadelphia, Sam Bradford immediately introduced him to this mesh play Chip had a lot of success with. It's pretty much a play that's a zone and man beater. It was a play that would become very much a part of that 2017 season, especially when Carson Wentz went down. Nick Foles took over, and when the Eagles were devising an offense around him, they went back to 2013 and watched Nick in Chip Kelly's offense and saw how much success he had running that play and the RPOs. That one mesh play ultimately won the Eagles the Super Bowl. It was a fourth and one late in the game. They dialed it up. Nick Foles found Zach Ertz for a first down on the way to the game-winning drive. They're keeping that offense on the field, and as you would expect, Doug Peterson with a gamble here. Fourth and one. Foles back. Foles fires. Foles completes it. He got it to no, Zach Ertz. Does it. he have it? Yeah. Move the chains. Whoa. Boy, he just about. Gutsy. And Nick Foles has to maneuver in that pocket a little bit. He puts it in a spot where Zach Ertz can go up and take the football over Harmon, the safety. They knocked him back. Doug was another one of the coaches I tracked down at the owners' meetings. We kept that in our system. That was also a, a Sam Bradford thing, too. Yeah. You know, so we, a lot of the stuff that Sam did in Chip's offense, you know, we kept a lot of the same concepts. And then, yeah, I mean, listen, the success you have, you want to find out what each guy can do and what he does like. And there were some, there were some carryover things that, that Chip did offensively that, that we really, that we really uh, were excited about and kept. But even more than rebooting practice vibes or transforming the offense, the most intriguing and mysterious thing that Chip Kelly brought to the Eagles and the NFL was sports science. What's sports science? It's everything from nutrition, sleep patterns, how players practice, how much they practice, what they put in their bodies. Everything was done in the interest of maximizing player performance. Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie is always looking to be on the cutting edge of any innovation that could improve his franchise. In fact, he made a million-dollar investment in sports science and all the innovations that Chip brought to the Eagles. He had some good ideas for sure. Yeah, which like ones did you like? The sports science stuff? Yeah. Oh, the sports science stuff. I mean, that was great. That's Clay Harbor, the Eagles' former tight end. They're checking your hydration levels every day. It's something nobody had done before that. They're checking your, you know, electrolyte, you're getting your blood levels tested there. I mean, there was just everything you can think of that, that chip really brought in there in the sports science stuff. 
Bo Allen played defensive line for the Eagles and was drafted in 2014 ahead of Chip's second season. I've used a lot of things that I that I used with Chip early in my career, like later with other teams and stuff, and be like, you know, it was even more advanced, you know, with Chip and with that staff. And so oh. it's interesting because a lot of those things that, you know, Chip kind of was on the cutting edge of are now, you know, very, very accepted in, in terms of like sports Absolutely. science and – can you and, give me uh, can you give me a couple of things that uh, were advanced with him versus other places? Yeah, so one one that immediately comes to mind is HRV, which is heart rate variability as a metric for recovery. You know, back with Chip, and this was what almost ten years ago. We had every day we had an iPad, we had a heart rate monitor that we'd strap on in the morning to see what our recovery was. And like nowadays, this technology is everywhere. But at that point, it was it was pretty fresh. So that's one thing that I think is very interesting. And then. Another one that I really appreciated, um, you know, when I eventually signed in Tampa is just like such an emphasis on hydration that I'd never, never experienced before. You know, like we would test our our hydration levels in the morning by peeing in a cup. And like a lot of guys didn't like that, but like, you know, kind of whatever it, it helped me develop some really good, you know, hydration habits that were crucial for me when I'm playing in Tampa and it's a hundred degrees out with 80% humidity and I'm losing 20 pounds at practice. Chris Peduzzi was thrown right into the fray. He had been with the Eagles for a number of years under Rick Burkholder, then the Eagles head athletic trainer. But when Andy left, Rick followed him to Kansas City and the Eagles told Chris, hey, you're going to stay here. Chris went through the normal interview process with Chip and Chip said, I like Peduz. He's staying. He would be down in the training room every day. He wanted to see stuff that we were doing. You know, can I try that out? You know, that type of thing. Whereas with like a guy like Andy or even Doug, they were never in the training room, very rarely. It was seamless, to be honest with you. I mean, it was just kind of went met and how, you know, he some of the different quirky things that he would have to get done that he couldn't do for himself. I, I don't want to, it was nothing crazy, but he had an issue with putting in his contacts. <laughs> Like he couldn't do it himself, so he needed help with that. I don't wear contacts, but for the life of me, he could not, like, I mean, you basically had to, like, hold his eyelids. Like, he just wanted to fight <laughs> you the whole time. And I guess he would fight himself. Uh, but he had a... Maybe because his eyes, because he's everything's fast. Everything chipped in fast. Maybe his eyes blink faster than everybody yeah, else's. Yeah, I guess. And it was like, when he first told me about it, he was like, yeah, I need context. I'm like, okay, well, I'll call the docs out. Yeah, no, they wouldn't have it at Oregon. Uh, you got to call Hollis at uh, Pearl Vision at some place in in Oregon. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, he, there were things like that that he would do all the time by himself. There was crossover between the sports science department and the training department. So Chris certainly had a lot to do with sports science, but he wasn't the head guy. That was Sean Hulse. So Chris was learning some of this in real time as well. We were the first truly NFL team that was collecting these numbers. Really the first year or two, we were collecting it, but you're kind of like flying by the seat of your pants because you didn't know exactly what numbers, what was normal. Like what's a normal practice or what's a high load practice for a guy? Yeah. Um, and then you're going trying to correlate that with like their questionnaire on how they're feeling or how their HRV and their readiness for play or hydration. You know, you're trying to how we can increase their performance and make it better that way. But, you know, the first year or two, it was just collecting data almost. I mean, because we didn't know we didn't have anything empirical that we could say this is the cutoff. 
Chip introduced the sleep monitors, and in the cafeteria, he tried to wean the team off some of the traditions under Andy Reid, like Taco Tuesday or Fat Guy Fridays, that the players had become too accustomed to. What we ended up doing is, you know, by hiring more people and having that recovery bar, we just personalized it. The important stuff was all the same, the protein amounts and things like that. The only thing with the smoothie bar became is we just personalized it Yeah. to where, okay, Lane Johnson likes this, Jason Kelsey likes that, you know, and so it then became, they had a whole like menu. They knew what to make and what some of the different things, you know, uh, Riley Cooper liked spinach in his, you know, so they were just making personalized shakes is all they were doing, recovery smoothies. But the cafeteria changed, and the food they were serving right at the cafeteria changed. Like, there was a smoothie bar that was added. They got Did they get rid of Fat Guy Fridays? Like, I remember that Taco Tuesdays that Andy always had. I mean. Yeah, uh, that Fat Guy Fat Guy Friday went, and that caused some. But, but like, you know, Chip said, you know, if you, you have a Ferrari, you're not putting 87 octane in it. We had seen and we had heard for months about sports science and how it was going to dramatically alter the Eagles' health. Yet, when training camp started, in the first eight days alone, the Eagles had four ACL tears. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, maybe I didn't want this job. <laughs> like, and, you know, and you don't know at the time because, you know, you're going through OTAs and all that stuff in mini camps, but that's different than you get into training camp. And we're doing this speed, 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 speed with everything, and then all of a sudden you have literally – Four non-contact ACLs in the first eight days. You were like, wow, what is going on? And then remember, we didn't have another person on injured reserve the rest of the year. As things played out, and especially the season, the Eagles stayed ridiculously healthy and, in fact, finished first in terms of adjusted games lost to injury. It was all in. I loved his style of his approach to absolutely everything. Evan Mathis, who we introduced in the first episode of Uncovering the Birds, was all about what Chip was doing. I loved his approach to the physical stuff we were doing. The you know they were the the sports science. They were being very mindful of all that, and and you know you don't see that a lot where you where, where teams actually put the emphasis on taking care of the players' bodies and 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 hiring the outside support to do so. And so you know hats off to Chip for for being the kind of guy who takes care of his guys physically, who monitors where they are physically, because that, 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 as a team you know, from the top down, as, as an owner, as a coach. These players are your assets. These players are your weapons. You don't want them to break down. Yeah. yeah. You want to take care of them. Not only were players seeing results with their health, they were seeing the results on the field, which was the most important thing. Big. Going for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. It's Sean Jackson. A 25-yard strike. I don't think anybody who was at Chip Kelly's NFL debut will forget that first game. Bick gives it off to McCoy. Up the middle he goes. Jumps over one man. He's at the 20. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Shady McCoy! A 34-yard run. Everything about his offense worked, and Washington was completely blown out of their own building. What can you say, Mike? Well, lots of congratulations all around for Chip Kelly. You watch Sean Jackson on the sidelines. That's the end of the game. Giving, giving him a hug. And, the know, Eagles the ran into a few bumps early after that, one of them being Michael Vick getting injured. But they started to pick up steam in the second half of the season once Nick Foles was put in at quarterback, and they went 10-6. and six. 
six wins better than the disastrous 4-12 and season that got Andy Reid fired. And they got back to the playoffs for the first time in three years. Chip was not only successful in terms of going 10-6, and but he had done it his way. The Eagles were certainly on an upswing. I think a lot of people felt like just one year of Chip and he was already able to win and go to the playoffs, this thing was going to take off in year two. But if you looked a little closer at not only what was happening on the field, but what was going on inside the building, you got a sense that this was not sustainable. That following season, Bo Allen was a rookie. It was almost a college you know, style organization my first couple of years. And I didn't really think too much of it. You know, some of the stuff that we were required to do because, you know, I'm happy to do whatever. And if it's something that's going to help me out or, you know, as a young player, you don't have any say in that. You don't know any different. Whereas like some of the older like vet vets were grumbling about different sports science stuff that we had to do. It was also Marcus Smith's first year. He was the Eagles first round pick in 2014. We were pissing every day. They, they wanted to see what color our piss was because if if they knew the levels of our of our piss, then that would tell us if we're hydrated or not, and it would tell us how much water that we're drinking at home. That was like even like just like damn, like if my piss is just a little bit dark, like you you in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Because now I know you ain't you not really drinking the water at home. So if you ask anybody, that was like one of the toughest things. Chris Peduzzi felt that maybe there were cracks in the foundation. There would be some push back from guys like why am I doing this why am I doing it like and it was only it wasn't extra work for them to do whether they were coming and doing their questionnaire or laying down and doing their heart rate variability in their locker and like we weren't trying to find out oh who went out last night or who was you know hung over or whatever it wasn't about that it was about how we could figure out for practice and performance how to make it that much better but I think some of that looking back on it we didn't do a good enough job at, at the time all the time of explaining why we were doing it. It was never about trying to make it harder for them or more things for them to do. But as we will hear next week, Chip's methods didn't always go over so well. Next time on Uncovering the Birds, Chip Kelly, part two, The Fall. There was that rift between Howie and or the way I look at it, lack of respect for Mr. Lurie because they're quote unquote, not football guys. When Chip got fired, I said that I was ecstatic. But in reality, when I go back, that's exactly how I felt. I just got caught. Chip Kelly lasted two more years. I lasted eight. So in the end, I lasted more than he did. That episode will drop Friday, April 14th. This is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcasts. Our producer is KYW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickard is KYW News Radio's director of podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. Special thanks to Sports Radio 94 WIP. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Please spread the word about Uncovering the Birds to any Eagles fan who wants to hear more about their favorite team or just tell one person about the pod to help us spread the word. You can listen to episodes of Uncovering the Birds free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
or go to inquire.com slash podcasts. I'm Jeff McLean. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore McLean or on any social media site like Instagram or Facebook, or just read my stories at inquire.com. We'll talk to you next week.